Isn't it wonderful to sing Christmas songs together as a church? Isn't that great? I'll tell you what, I know how to get the first four rows of chairs full. Put kids on stage. Mom Parazzi was out in full force. You get it because it's paparazzi, but it's mom, bro. That was good, wasn't it? I just thought of that. I just thought of that. Kids, uh, they did a great job. So thankful for them. Uh, Merry Christmas, church. It's a week away. Are you ready? No. Week away. Week away. Well, last week, if you were here, last week was a tremendous blessing. Uh, Last week was a joy. We baptized 21 people last week, church. Yeah. Uh, God is good. He's saving people, and I'm so thankful for those 21 that placed their faith in Jesus, wanted to tell you and the world that they are following Christ. Also with that, uh, Pastor Nick was in our sermon series called Wish List, and with that, he talked about the importance of intercessory prayer. What that means is uh, the privilege that we have as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the privilege that we have of, of praying for one another. And one thing he said, man, when we, when we pray for other people, we have the privilege in taking part in someone else's miracle. Now, what a blessing that was last week for us to look at God's word and see how we're not only encouraged, but really commanded to pray for one another. And I hope that was a blessing for you. And I hope throughout this week you were challenged to lift other people up in prayer. Last week was incredible. But I want to speak to this next week real quick. That's Christmas Eve, and what we're going to do on on Christmas Eve is we're going to have two normal service times, 9 and 10.30. With that, we're going to have a Christmas service, okay? So it's going to look a little different. There's going to be a lot of elements to that service. If candlelight has become one of those family traditions for you here at Holland Chapel, we want to encourage you to be here. Pick a service, 9 or 10.30. There will be a candlelight element to that. I know what you're thinking. Well, it's not nighttime. Well, we've got a way to block out the windows. We're going to make it cool in here, so make sure that you plan on attending one of those services, 9 or 10.30, for our Christmas experience next week. But this week, we're going to tie a bow around our sermon series called Wish List. And here's how I want to um, introduce this sermon this morning. Over the last three weeks, we've been talking about prayer. And, and for many of you out there, you're like, man, this is, it's been great. I, I've learned a lot. I've been encouraged. I've been challenged. Uh, but, but here, maybe this morning, is a group of people that, that may have thought this, this thing concerning prayer. Man, it was great that we learned to uh, take everything to, to God in faith, and he, he gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. And man, we've got this uh, incredible privilege to, to go to God on, on others' behalf. But, but what do I do this morning if, if I don't know how to pray? Man, I've sat through three weeks on prayer, and, and I just, I don't know how to pray. I wasn't taught how to pray. I didn't have a dad or a mom at home. Like We weren't a Christian family. Nobody modeled prayer for me. I don't know what that looks like. Or maybe this is you this morning. Man, your prayer life is stagnant. Can we just be real? Man, we've sat through three weeks of prayer, and you're like, I hadn't really started praying at all. Or, or, or maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you're one of those folks in here that is a prayer warrior. And you're like, yeah, like, I, I love to pray, but, I, but I'm always looking for another element. Well, I want to encourage you this morning. If you were the, one of those folks that said, I, I, don't, I don't know how to pray, you're in good company. There's some guys called the disciples that walked with Jesus very, very closely. They, they saw him pray. They saw him work miracles. And they had 
Almost the very same question. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I want to encourage you, if you're in that category this morning, you're like, I just don't know. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what that looks like for me. Luke 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. I had my, my kids, they went through Jolly Time Preschool. We got any Jolly Time parents up in the room? Any kids, any parents sent their kids through Jolly Time? Uh, one thing that they learn at Jolly Time is how to pray for food. I don't see if you know this one. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Let us thank him for our bread. Amen. Right? Isn't that precious? When your little kids came home and you'd be like, you want to pray for dinner? And they'd just knock out that prayer. Right? They, they, were, they were taught how to pray. Like they, they, were, they were shown, they were modeled how to pray. And so right here in Scripture, what we see is that the disciples, man, they were, they were in tune with Jesus. Can you imagine walking with him every single day, seeing him pray, like having him model prayer before you, Christ himself? And I mean, they, they were seeing him, him go off, and they were seeing him pray, and, and they were seeing miracles take place. They were seeing Jesus cast out demons. Woo! Wouldn't that be awesome? They, they were seeing Jesus take, take sick and, and heal them, lame and, and make them walk, uh, sinners saved. Like they were seeing all of this. And the one thing, can you imagine being the one disciple who thought, you know what, I, I'm, I'm finally going to get one over on Jesus. I'm just going to say, hey, teach us how to pray. Like they saw that there was some serious power taking place. That when Jesus would go off and he would pray, like he was filled with power. And so they were like, hey, we want to know what's going on here. We want to be taught how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Maybe that's you this morning. You've never been taught. You've never been shown. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to write this down if this is you. Make it personal. Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. And guess what? The teaching remains the same. It was written in Scripture so long ago, the example was given, and it still remains the same. If we seek Him, we will find. And what I'm talking about is the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer can transform a life void of prayer. So when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, what we see here in Luke's gospel is the condensed version. What we'll see in a little bit is the expounded version that Jesus models the Lord's prayer. We see it in scripture. He teaches them how to pray. But let's be real honest this morning. Maybe there's those in this room that are not praying. And I, and I ask that question not to shame you, not to guilt you, not to make you feel bad about your walk with Christ, because it's so much more than just feeling bad and doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's about life transformation. But I want to ask you the, 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 the sincere question. If you are not praying, if you've never sought Scripture or asked someone, what does a prayer life look like? Why? Why? We have the privilege as children of God 
to approach God in prayer. Do we understand that privilege this morning, church? That we, rotten sinners, can approach a holy God in prayer. Like we can talk to him. What a privilege that is. So I beg the question, why? Why aren't we? Or maybe this morning you, you're, you're in that stagnant prayer life. Man, there's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of change. There, there's, man, I'm just kind of doing this because I feel like I have to. I'm working through the wish list, hoping that God will give me what I want. Or, or maybe you're that, that saint we talked about earlier, that you're just looking for another thing to add to, to increase a vibrant prayer life. I want to encourage us this morning. The Lord's Prayer, we're going to read it in just a moment, is for everyone this morning. Everyone. Martin Luther, the great uh, theologian, the great reformer, he led the way. The 16th century Protestant Reformation, he led the charge. Great theologian. Had a barber, best friend. One day he was uh, at the barber and his friend goes, hey, Martin Luther, uh, there's, some, there's some cool stuff happening in your life. Like, you're doing a pretty cool thing for the Lord. I want you to teach me how to pray. I want you to teach me to pray, Martin Luther. And what we get from this encounter is a wonderful letter. I encourage you to read it in your own time. Martin Luther wrote his barber a letter called A Simple Way to Pray. And in that letter, a lengthy letter, he describes how he prays the Lord's Prayer every day. And in that, he, he, he changes it a little bit, he adds to it, and he helps, or the Lord's Prayer helps him uh, encounter a thriving prayer life. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds super simple, like he takes the Lord's Prayer. But here's what I want to do this morning, church. I, I want to read how Martin Luther starts his prayer, and then we're going to put the Lord's Prayer on the screen, and I want to recite it together. Can we do that? Some of you are like, man, I feel awkward already, and we hadn't even done it. Let me, let me, read, let me read this this prayer. Here's an example how Martin Luther would open the day. He would say, Oh, Heavenly Father, dear God, I am a poor, unworthy sinner. I do not deserve to raise my eyes or hands toward thee or to pray. But because thou hast commanded us all to pray and hast promised to hear us, and through thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, has taught us best how and what to pray, I come to thee in obedience to thy word, trusting in thy gracious promise. I pray in the name of my Lord Jesus Christ together with all thy saints and Christians on the earth as he has taught us. Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. This is what Jesus says. Pray then like this. Church, repeat after me. Or let's do it together. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How simple. The disciples come to Christ and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is what he says. But let me be real clear with you this morning, church. As I looked at the Lord's Prayer and how this morning might go, I was incredibly convicted. You, you see, the disciples knew the power of prayer. And when they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, this is what he gave them. This is what he gave them. 
And how often do we read this particular portion of Scripture and go, that's cool, that's how Jesus prayed. And how, how fast we, we brush by it, how, how fast we don't give this prayer any attention. I'll be honest with you, I learned this prayer after football practice every day. Like, hey guys, gather around, we're going to close out uh, a football practice and, and pray in the Lord's Prayer. That's how I learned it. And, and man, it just become another thing. Oh, and how often, if, ooh, can I get real? How often Baptist folks think, well, that's just something other religions do. That's just something other churches do. It's so weird to recite that. Man, okay, we got the model. Now let me be Holy Spirit-led and pray however I want to pray. You can. That's awesome. But how much power is in this prayer in which Jesus said, pray then like this. We brush by it. We don't give it any thought. We think that's cool. That's how Jesus prayed. But I want to ask the question, do we use it? Do we benefit from it? Do we see how Christ prayed and model our prayers after his? What greater example than that of Jesus? So this morning, if you're one of those per- persons that, that, that came here this morning and you're like, yeah, now, uh, my prayer life is flatlined. Like, I, I, I don't have a prayer life. And maybe you use the excuse, I've never been taught. Could be a valid excuse but I'm pretty sure you've heard somebody else pray. Like, man, what what, what do I do? This morning, I want to encourage you that I believe we're going to go over three benefits of the Lord's Prayer. So I want you to write that down. There are three. There are way more than three, but we're going to look at three benefits of the Lord's Prayer. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write these down as we march through them, and I want you to see how these could quite possibly transform your prayer life. You see, what Martin Luther would do is he would start to pray the Lord's Prayer, and with each petition in the prayer, he would add to it. And by the end, by the time he got to the end, man, he had prayed a substantial amount of time pouring out his heart to God in a format that would help him. And all I'm trying to do this morning is help us encounter God the Father in a prayer life. So there are benefits of praying the Lord's Prayer. The first thing that I want you to write down is that it helps us seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Remember how the prayer started. It helps us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. He says, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done. Oftentimes, church, uh, honest chat time, oftentimes our prayers turn very self-centric, don't they? And to ease our guilty conscience in our prayer lives, perhaps we will do what last week's message was about and we'll pray for somebody else. You with me? Am I standing up here alone? Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, man, when I approach God, it's just me, me, me. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Oh, I feel bad about it. God, be with my kids, be with my spouse, be with my mama, whatever it may be. And how often do we spend all this time in communion with the Father and never praising Him or asking Him to align our heart with His? And you see what Jesus does when He starts the Lord's Prayer. Keep in mind, this is the Son of God. He he, he elevates God the Father first. Oh, He says, may your name be kept holy. And then He says, oh, your kingdom come. 
Your will be done. First and foremost. Then you get down to the petition where it talks about, yeah, forgive me. Give me what I need today. But listen to how he starts. He starts with elevating God the Father. So as we're working through the Lord's Prayer, the first thing that I want you to understand is that Jesus elevated God first. So in your prayer life, to help you, to, to help it, to, uh, to, to mold it, to shape it, follow the pattern that Jesus gave. Elevate God the Father first. When we do this, when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we are doing as his children is being fully submissive to what God the Father would have for us. That's first. Jesus not only modeled this in this prayer, but Jesus lived it out the night before he was crucified. You remember that story? Jesus knew what was about to take place. He knew that God had asked him to give up his life on the cross for you and me. But with that, in all of his humanity, Jesus knew what was going to take place on the cross. He was no fool. He knew Roman crucifixion. He knew the pain he was going to have to endure. He knew the, the beating that he was going to have to take. He knew it all. And the night before he, he gave his life up on the cross for you and me, he says this to the Father. He said, Lord, if there is any other way, let it be. Let this cup pass over me. What's he, what's he praying? He's saying, God, if there's any other way for the forgiveness of mankind to take place, let it happen. We see his humanity poured out before God the Father. But you remember what he closes that prayer with? He says, Lord, let your will be done. So in our prayers, when we open our prayers, much like Jesus did in the model prayer, we're saying, Father, admitting that he is Father God and we are not, and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are saying our lives are yours. And everything else that I'm about to pray, God, is up to you. What a wonderful way to start a prayer. So if you're somebody in this room that's never been taught how to pray, elevate God first and submit to him. The next thing that I want you to write down, and this one's oh so practical. Hang on, let's back up. Let's back up. Matthew 6, 33, first point. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You remember that? Week one or two, we talked about how, man, God wants to do a miraculous uh, work in your life, but we got we to gotta seek him first. That's what Jesus models. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Point number two, this is so practical, so practical. Helps discipline our busy minds. Raise your hand if you are a little bit ADD. Look at this room. You're in great company this morning. You're in great company. I'll be honest with you, I get a little ADD when I preach. You see, I missed that whole verse. Had to go back. Like, man, and last night as I was going over this uh, with Ashley in the living room, like she, she stopped me before we even uh, got that second point out. She was like, it's me. I was like, it's me too. How often are we distracted? What Martin Luther does as he opens his letter before he even gets to the, the part where he says, pray the Lord's Prayer, he begs his barber, make sure you eliminate the distractions in your life. Make sure you eliminate distractions so that you don't forget to pray. But what about when we are praying and we get distracted? You ever been there? 
my goodness. We're trying to be good little Christians, right? And we're like, man, I'm, uh, Jesus says, uh, go into your bedroom, maybe go to the closet, shut the door, get quiet. Listen to me. If I shut the door and get quiet, I'm thinking about all kinds of stuff. You with me? Man, where am I going to go hunting? What am I going to eat tomorrow night? Like, I'm, just, I'm thinking about all kinds of stuff. And God is wanting me to focus, and I'm supposed to pray without distraction. Am I preaching to myself? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But when we use the model prayer, when we use the Lord's Prayer, what it can help us do is to control that busy, distracted mind. How often do you, do you start your prayers? Uh, God, thank you for the day. Thank you for being good. Uh, God, I've got a lot of things written down on my notepad that I'm, I'm ready to bring to you. I need some help here. Uh, my kid's gone crazy. Uh, I don't like work. Uh, list goes on, right? And we get in the middle of our prayer, and our mind begins to wander. And before long, you've solved all the world's problems in your head, and you're not even praying. You see, what I've learned is that when we have some structure to our prayer, like the Lord's Prayer, it helps us to realize when we've gone off track and helps us to pick up where we left off. So you see, there's some very, very practical application to using the Lord's Prayer as some framework for your prayer life. It can help a distracted mind. And there were hands that went up all over the room. We need help. We need help to fight distraction. And here's what I want you to understand about distraction. It's not just an ADD mind. It's, it's Satan trying to keep you from praying, church. Satan understands the power of prayer. He, he knows that when believers approach God in faith, incredible things happen. Just like the disciples recognize that when this guy goes off by himself and he prays, miracles happen. The same thing for you and I, and Satan hates it. We might laugh and joke about it, but Satan wants you distracted. He wants your prayer life failing. He wants your prayer life struggling so that you're not approaching God in faith and prayer. He wants you distracted. So if we, as children of God, are going to be serious about our prayers, we're going to be serious about communing with God, then we've got to fight distraction. And I know it sounds elementary and simple. Martin Luther wrote the letter, a simple way to pray. Do you like things simple, church? I like it simple. Use the structure of the Lord's Prayer to help fight distraction. And the third thing that I want you to write down is that it helps us build structure so our prayers can run wild inside. What do I mean by that? This is not in contrast to the second point. Let me explain. What praying through the Lord's Prayer can do, using it as a guide, using it as a structure, it can build a fence around your prayer life so that within that structure, your prayers can run wild, that we can fight distraction, that we can use the format in which Jesus gave to elevate our prayer life. What do I mean by that? What about if we get to the portion where it says, uh, give us today our daily bread? What if, maybe this is you, I know what's happened for me at times, we get to that particular point or any point in the prayer, but let's just use that specific portion where you're like, God, give me today 
what I need. And before long, that little petition turns into 20 minutes of you thanking God for what he has given you. Amen? And oh, man, you're in your prayer life and you're like, wow, Lord, uh, this just started with me asking for for you to give me what I need, but I understand that you've, you've given me a lot. And you've had a sweet moment of prayer for 20 minutes or so thanking him for all he has done. That's what I'm talking about in this third point. The Lord's Prayer can can help build some structure around your prayer so that within that structure, boy, you can just pour out your heart. Now, here's not what I'm preaching this morning, a structured, rigid prayer life. I hope you've heard that this morning. That's not what I'm I'm preaching. You, You see, I don't think structure and the Holy Spirit are at odds with one another at all. I could could make the case very well that that on Sunday morning, our services are structured. There's a start time. Hopefully, there's an end time. If preacher man would be quiet, like there's there's, there's structure. And within that structure, man, we're begging the Holy Spirit to show up and do incredible things. The same thing is with your prayer life. Man, put some structure around it so that we make sure that we do pray and then we make sure that we're focused when we pray and that within our prayers, man, our hearts and minds can run wild that we can approach God with every need, that we can fall in love with talking to him. Church, listen to me. Prayer is this, you talking with God. And if a little bit of structure helps you do that, I encourage you to follow the structure. Let it help you talk to your heavenly father. Prayers are powerful, church. Would you agree with that? A lot of prayer, a lot of power in prayer. And God the Father wants his children to talk to him. This is not in my notes. I hope I don't get too ADD distracted with this. But when Jesus was modeling the Lord's Prayer, he opens with our Father who art in heaven. I want you to understand something here. He was was teaching a Jewish uh, uh, group of men. Before Jesus showed up on the scene, they never addressed God as Father. But Jesus changed everything. So can you imagine the disciples hearing for the first time Jesus say, approach God as your father. Listen to me, church. You cannot have a relationship with your heavenly father unless you talk to him. He wants you to talk to him. Jesus gives the perfect example of prayer. Help us follow that example. Amen? But here's what I want to encourage you this morning, church. There is no perfect prayer. There is no structure to be followed that can somehow make our prayers shoot to God faster. There's no no perfect prayer. We're sinners. Here's what I encourage you to do. Take your imperfect prayer and pray in the name of Jesus and trust that he's going to hear you. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 23. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, you ever wondered why prayers end with in Jesus' name? 
Listen to me, church. He's our advocate. Jesus is the one who takes our imperfect prayers and runs them straight to the Father. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? I want to read a quote. It's going to be on the screen by Charles Spurgeon. This is what he says about our imperfect prayers. It says, The Lord Jesus Christ is always ready to take the most imperfect prayer and perfect it for us. If our prayers had to go up to heaven as they are, they would never succeed. But they find a friend on the way, and therefore they prosper. The friend that our prayers find is Jesus Christ. So when Jesus is telling his followers, whatever you ask in my name, my Father will hear it and he'll give it to you. So listen to me, church. God the Father wants you to talk to him. We list three categories this morning. Those that don't know how, those that do know how and they're just kind of flatlined, and those that have a vibrant prayer life. Listen to me. The Lord's Prayer has application for all of us. God, help us not to pass by the perfect example of prayer. Let me pray for us this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all of God's people said, Amen.